leap-a-doo, it's time to hear a creepy tale or two. Beep-bop-a-deep-a-doe, it's time for Northern Frights with your favorite duo. Hey! <laughs> Did you like that? I loved it. Thank you. I wasn't sure if I could clap yet. <laughs> Way to go. It's done. You're a good singer. Thank you. Oh, nice. Thanks. If I ever uh, get famous someday, maybe I'll set up an album. <laughs> set up an album. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the, uh, the Hollywood term. That's for... Hollywood speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's us. It's Anna and Alyssa. And we're Northern Frights. We're the podcast that talks about creepy stuff. Where is it? Where is the creepy stuff? It's the Midwest. That's where the creepy stuff is. You know where the Midwest is? I'll tell you. I'll give you a little geography lesson. <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northern and Southern Dakotas. I'm going to pronounce it forever. We should. Uh, Michigan, and then like surrounding states kind of around it that consider themselves Midwest. I like that. Yeah, I'm a really good geography teacher. You are. I don't think I ever took geography. (laughs) You had to have at least once. Probably in like elementary school, Mm -hmm. but I feel like being in like, I'm just going to triangulate myself now, even though I've already told you guys where we are. Minneapolis Public Schools, not super great in the 90s. <laughs> okay. I remember taking some kind of geography class because we had to draw the world Ooh. on like a piece of paper, draw it all the wow. countries and <laughs> all the countries. <laughs> she was just like waving her pen around <laughs> wildly. That's what the earth looks like. It just looks like a bunch of wobbly wines. Squiggly. Wobbly wines. Wobbly wines. <laughs> Wobbly Wabbit. Wobbly Wabbit. Wobbly Wabbit. Hi, yes. So, we've got, we've got a lot to do here We have today. a full agenda. We've got a whole, we've made an agenda mm-hmm. for today, because we've got a ton to talk about. Ton. So, what are we doing now? You guys, okay, go. I have a case update. <laughs> it's episode 15, and this was the case where we were just talking about geography, where mm-hmm. I accidentally did one outside ah, of the Midwest. Yes. It's the one that was on our Thanksgiving-themed yes. one yep. um, about Joel Guy Jr. Mm-hmm. So I was a little confused because I have I follow an account, I think I recently talked about this, mm-hmm. called, uh, it's Kathy Rusan, um, in addition to Law and Order something or another. Mm-hmm. And um, I was following, or I get the tweets sent directly to my notifications. Mm-hmm. So I re, you know, I just sort of look at them throughout. Mm-hmm. And I started getting stuff about Thanksgiving killer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the name sort of sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. So then I looked at it and it's the case it's I did. <gasps> no, I did. I think I have a correction. Cause I think in the episode I had said he had testified, but I think it was um, where he had testified or spoke in front of a ju- um, the judge, at least, mm-hmm. was for his extra... What's that word? Extradition? Extra, extradition, yeah. Extra, from what are... Louisiana to yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. So um, that was not his trial. Mm-hmm. I, I, t- I went and looked back at my uh, original sources, mm-hmm. and it never explicitly said um, it was for this extradition yes but um that's what i'm reading between the lines because he's currently on trial right now (laughs) for his um for the killing thing okay so what a very short recap is um um, over thanksgiving weekend he and his family met had dinner for thanksgiving his sisters leave and sometime between thanksgiving and like sunday his parents are dead or murdered Mm -hmm. and monday comes up mom doesn't go to work gets a welfare check, 
everything happens. Yep. Um, so, yes, so it's Kathy Rusin and Law and, or, Law, I'm sorry, Law and Crime Network um, Twitter accounts. Okay. And they're live tweeting the, um, the, the case, Ooh. the trial. And um, what's interesting is they, on the Twitter... They had um, videos of the police entering the house as they see it on their body cams. Oh, so very God. interesting. Okay. And do you remember one very specific detail I about in the, the kitchen? Wasn't there like bins or something with There's body bins parts? bins with body parts, Tupperware specifically, okay. yep. additionally. Yep. Um, but when you enter, one of the first scenes you see is the kitchen with the pot, which they later discover has his head mom's head, head in it. it. Yep. So just interesting. Um, you don't see it in the video. No, they don't. Okay. They don't because they were just clearing the house at that point. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, also on the Twitter accounts, you see excerpts of notes that Joel had written, mm -hmm. and here's some examples. Um, get killing knives. <laughs> Multiple. Get sledgehammer. Crush bones. Get carving knife to make small pieces. Get plastic bin for denaturalization process. Ew. Does not matter where they're killed. Just get... Oh, God. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> um, just get something bl of bloody spots. Like, just clean up the blood. Oh, sure. So... First off, I just want to say... Yeah. Did he, like, go to, like... Home goods or something was just like, where did they? What do you keep your killing knives? <laughs> I don't know, but he went. He's for sure at Walmart's. Oh well, the Walmart's. I mean, Walmart's apparently like the go-to place for killers because that's where the kids from Columbine got their guns. Oh really? Yeah. Walmart. Yeah. Good. Good job, Walmart. <laughs> so when I was re-looking at all this and seeing the evidence they had, it's very obvious he planned it. Yep. <laughs> And um, it was interesting reading along the tweets <clears throat> that people, like, replied to the um, Kathy Rusin's tweets or whatever. And they're like, this, was he ever, like, um, had a competency hearing? Oh, Just because sure. his face is, like, flat. He mm -hmm. doesn't, apparently, according to people who are at the, or at the trial, mm -hmm. he doesn't have any expressions. Mm -hmm. And he basically just sits there. So, but um, based on what Kathy, I believe, said, she said, no, there was never one because it wasn't. Remember, you, I had said he didn't have any history of mental health yep. issues. Yeah. Um, here well, we are. Here we are. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking this is going to be a slam dunk case for the uh, prosecutors, but yeah. you never know. Yeah. So as the trial continues, if there's any cool details, I'll bring it up. Yes. But then um, once it's wrapped up in sentencing, I'll update we'll everybody. Update again. Yeah. Well, fun. Great. Get killing knives. Get killing knives. Get carving knives. Get carving knives. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. Uh, after, he had God. the notebook at his parents' house, I believe it was, Ooh. and it was just there where he was chopping things up. <laughs> He's like, what's my next step? Yeah. Crush bones. Okay. <laughs> oh, and the motive was definitely money related mm. because they were cutting him off that weekend or letting him oh, know sure. do you remember yeah and then um in his notebook it also had a list of the monies he would get if he <gasps> killed them oh my god this is all mine or this would go to his i think it was his stepmom uh. so he had to kill her too so then he knew ahead of time that they were cutting him off he must have or okay. he i mean i'm or sure let him slip like Par parents are like, you got to start doing this. Mm -hmm. And then 
Maybe it was his plan all along, and this yeah. he just had already thought of it. He was like, I'm already going to tell my parents. They're not going to give me mo- want to give me money anymore. Perfect. Sick. <sighs> wow. All right. Well, that was a that was an excellent update. Thank you. You're welcome. So now we um, decided for spooky season, spooky season that we wanted to read a book, a spooky book, mm-hmm. and we read Ghost Story by Peter Straub. And we both agreed excellent excellent book it is really really good i understand now why it's like on every single list of like best horror novels i saw it yeah there's um another twitter account i follow um goodreads and they said what are you reading for spooky season or Mm -hmm. whatever and people a lot of people had his book on there yeah so i'm glad we we chose it yeah i mean for a book that's like what, 500 some pages long? Like, how yep. many pages was it in your book? Because yours was smaller than mine. Five, six, seven. Okay, yeah, mine was like 518, but it was a bigger version. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally am like the reader who gets easily distracted. Yeah. So it takes me like a month to read a book. Mm-hmm. I read that book in two days. Mm-hmm. It was that good. It was that good, and it was one where you're like, I don't want to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I want to keep reading what's going to happen. Even what I would call the slow parts mm-hmm. weren't really slow. No. I didn't feel like, God, why are they writing about this? Right. It was that like, point where you're just kind of like, we didn't need this detail, mm-hmm. sir. Yeah. Yep. It I was mean, an I extra. Finished, I finished it at like, what, like 1? Yeah, you texted it at like 1.30. Yeah. It, so just a little history. It was written in 1979. Yep. So it tells you it's standing the times. There yeah. were some outdated things, but nothing oh, yeah. that stopped the storyline. No. no, there's like a disco party or something. <laughs> yeah. like oh, they had record players Yeah, and record stuff. players. I was just kind of like, mm, yes, mm-hmm. yep, we know where this taking place. This is wonderful. So. Go ahead. Okay. Um, just like a recap of the book of what it's about. Sure. It is four older gentlemen who have this like, who are part of the society called the Chowder Society. They live in, what is it? What Milburn. Is it? Milburn, Massachusetts, I think is where. I'm not sure. I think it takes place in Massachusetts. Um, but they're, like, in their, like, early 70s, like, late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this kind of, like, secret from their past. Uh, but they tell these, like, kind of, like, horrible stories that may or may not be true to each other. That's kind of like a coping mechanism for a death of a friend of theirs who had died like the year prior. Yeah. Um, and then as you go through it, you're introduced to this other guy um, who's the nephew of the guy who was killed, mm-hmm. quote unquote, maybe, maybe not, we don't know, because <laughs> um, they need his help to figure out what happened to their friend. Mm-hmm. And then all of this things start happening to them. Um, horrible things are happening to the people in the town, um, and it just kind of snowballs from there, mm-hmm. and it is frightening. It is one of those books where it's not jump out scary. No. It's one that sticks in your brain, yes. and you're like, what's going on? Yeah. It's creeping me out, yeah. and I think that's one reason you can just keep reading it, because you're like, yeah. oh my god. you got to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like the word that I would have for it is, it felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, all the things that were happening. It's a good way to describe it. So. Mm-hmm. All right, should we talk about it a little bit? So yeah. Because we had some questions, and just, like, comments about the book. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to start? Sure, I have a shorter list, it looks okay. like. So, um, at the end of the book, I don't think this is any spoiler, but we might talk about spoilers. Yeah, so, so... I mean, it's a hundred-year-old book, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at math. You've had enough time to read this You've had book, enough time. So. And if not, 
It's okay. Yeah, it's still good enough that if you know what's going to happen at the end. Like, I watched, there's a movie from 1981. I saw the movie mm-hmm. many, many moons ago, so I kind of had an idea of what was going on. But even still, like, I didn't know everything that yeah. was going on in that book. Books are always so much better. Yeah. So at the end of the book, um, Don, who's the nephew you mm-hmm. had talked about, or the nephew of the man who was killed or died, yep. that they were coping with, um, who do you think he's seeing in San Francisco? Right at the end of the book, he's like, I gotta meet a lady in San Francisco. Florence DeFizer. Oh, you think so? That's what I think he's he's gonna try to hunt her down. She oh, is... to continue the. Yeah. Yeah. So just like a heads up, she was a character who is of mysterious origin. Related to another character who's like technically the villain in the book. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that's why I think he's going after. Oh yeah, because he had been calling this Florence, mm-hmm. sort of not really talking to her. Yeah. Sometimes she, he yeah. or she would hang up, blah blah. Yeah. And eventually her number's MIA. They're yeah. Like, it's well, private and then now. She was like, you know, she's coming back, basically oh, yeah. in that part of the book. Yep. So. Oh good. Yeah, that's what I think it was. So I thought um, on my book it's page four or five forty nine, mm-hmm. and it's where Peter, who's um, mm-hmm. a, a young gentleman like seventeen, 17. in the town, who gets eventually wrapped up in all the shenanigans, yeah. he is meeting with Don, the nephew, mm-hmm. and I thought their exchange was really cute. It was really sweet because Peter, who's this younger kid, yeah. he's like, "Hey, sorry, like I know you're busy." And Don's like, no, you come talk to me whenever. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what I'm doing or where I'm at. I just want to say this. I, I really like how in the book, just like kind of funnily, that they're all like, Peter, you saved us all. And it's like all he really did was just kind of like, that's where that crazy guy is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he didn't. I mean, at the end of the book, he does basically save them all. Mm-hmm. But like before that gets to that part, they're all just kind of like, Peter. You're a superhero. You're amazing. And I'm just like, Peter did nothing. <laughs> Even at the at the end <clears throat> where he does that thing, mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal what he did. Yeah. It was just like... So he did really ah. end. Was, in a way, it... Even though I didn't feel like it, it was sort of anticlimactic. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, okay, now it's done. A little bit. Yeah. It was still great. It yeah. was still wonderful. Yep. <clears throat> but after all the bad events, yeah, he goes to Don and he's talking to Don and I was like, oh. Because Don keeps saying, no, you talk to me. Yeah. And he's sort of looking for advice because his father, he's like, my dad won't understand what mm-hmm. happened because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, nobody would understand. Yeah. It's a weird series of events. Mm-hmm. And it's too crazy to be believed. And I wrote it down here. Um, quote, all you can do is not let it break you uh, in half and keep on going until you get to the other side mm-hmm. and I was like that's perfect because that's good advice for any situation yeah. if you're going through something difficult just yep. keep going mm-hmm. don't break you're strong enough and eventually you'll be at the other end, end. yeah that's really good it's good advice yeah it is <clears throat> uh, this is semi-spoiler alert but I won't say too much about it mm-hmm. um the AM initials mm-hmm yeah did you notice that I did throughout the that. entire book mm-hmm so, little uh, part of the book. Um, basically, the villain is like this ancient creature. So, spoiler alert: she's like this ancient creature who is like evolved, like has been shape shifting yep. over the years. And so, originally, first, I'm trying to think of if this is like how the timeline works. Okay. I think originally she was Amy Moncton. Okay. Then she was Ava Golly. 
Yes. Which was interesting, which I have a little tidbit on that. Okay. Um, then she is Alma. Yeah. Alma Mobley. Then she's Anne Veronica Moore. Mm-hmm. Then she's Anna Mostyn. Mm-hmm. And then she's Angie Mall Messina, yeah, whatever her actual last name is. So yeah. she, like, it's like he's obsessed with this initials of A.M., the author. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is, like, so I looked that up. Yes. And I found, like, a kind of, like, a threaded thread chain of, like, people talking about it. And they, somebody asked about that. Yeah. He actually commented. And he was just kind of like, I just really like the name Alma. And um, I found the town, like, Mobley somewhere. Oh, cute. And that was basically it. Oh, simple? <laughs> yeah. Not, like, this intricate thing. Yeah. Well, what's kind of interesting is I read his short story, Pork Pie Hat, mm-hmm. probably, like, a week or so before we actually read this one. And I'm pretty sure there's a character in that book who had the initials AM. Oh, cute. And so I was just kind of, like, that was, like, one of the things I wrote. I was, like, what did I say? Um... I, w- I was like, I wonder who in his past hurt him that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah. Additional observation, those mm-hmm. are my initials. <gasps> oh, my God. Are you safe no, right now? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, everybody, if I'm not back uh, in a couple of weeks, it's because we figured out what a list is. <laughs> I'm... Eva Gale yeah, and Mobley yeah. or whoever. Like he said for the reason why like kinda like change up the names in there, he's like she didn't want him to her to be too consistent. Yeah. She wouldn't be too consistent with the names to that like kinda sense. keep people on track of their shows. Yeah. And he's like, and then I just like the name. <laughs> it was pretty cool. And I just matched them name. together. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, great, thank you. <laughs> All right, what else? What other questions and things you got? This is just a uh, observation in real life thing. Okay. Do you think that we can feel vileness or darkness upon meeting somebody? I think so. I agree. Yeah. I remember there was a story that my um, cousin told me about her parents. Um, they were at a church, and she said that there was, like, a guy who was, like, in the pew with them, and they both were, like, this guy is a bad guy. Mm. Like, I, we okay. don't like him. There's, like, a bad vibe coming off of him. They, like, left pretty quick after, like, the service or, like, yeah. part of the service. And they were both, like, th- that guy was, like, evil. evil. Carnage yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I agree, too, because, I mean, we can pick up people's, like, energy, mm-hmm. like, whether it's yep. fran- frantic yep. or if it's cool calm yep. and yep. stuff like that i can see it yeah you just meet someone and they're like they're off they're a bad person something's weird yeah don't know exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um there's You're a vibe a, check a vibe check <laughs> <laughs> um i love this quote too how do you fight a cloud a poem Ooh. that's a good question a good i think that was to throw off the group though like yeah. how are you gonna fight me i can yeah. just disappear I like this disappear like that and, it, and they're like that could throw people off but they're yeah. like no we know what to do we we know peter barnes got it <laughs> got it <laughs> and then what do you think ends up happening to the little girl the one the last one and well i think she shapeshifted into like dr rabbit foot oh you think okay i think that's what happened is because i think she was in the car with him she shapeshifted. Oh, okay. And then I think at the end there, he she like he turns into a wasp, so like his original creation. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when Don chop chops it. Okay. All right. So 
Just spoiler alert on that part, too. <laughs> Lots of spoilers. All right. All right. Yeah, your turn. Okay. All right, so I just wanted to say I was super confused by the beginning of the book. Me, too. I was so, like, what is this garbage? I know. I, was, I actually want to reread it, though, now that I understand yeah, the ending. Yeah, now that you get, like, what the Because I was, like I said, I, I saw the movie a while back, um, and I did remember most of it because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I did remember, like, one scene in particular, which was the part with the car. Okay. Um, so when I like read that part, I was like, "Oh boy, what are we, what are we doing? This is not <laughs> the book that I don't this? remember." And this guy lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. Then I also just as more of a comment, um, I like how throughout the book it was like Stella Hawthorne is so beautiful and youthful, even though she's old. <laughs> I know. She's sixty-five or something. I think she's just sixty. Sixty. I think that's what they said at one point. And they're everybody like, apparently is in love yeah, with her from all like, young to old. Yeah, they're all like, she looks like she's forty years old. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I like think it was like Molly Shannon in SNL, where she's like, I'm fifty. I'm fifty years old. <laughs> it was like everybody was just like, she's so young and beautiful looking, but she's an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like their minds were in. An- understanding how that could be yeah which is interesting how at the end of the book it was like all of a sudden she's showing her years mm-hmm. so it's kind of like oh interesting maybe it was a little influence yeah of it's like the town was Alma. kind of free of ava's spirit yeah and now they're finally like being who they are i could see it yeah okay also i kind of kind of developed a crush on dawn a little bit. I like Don yeah. a lot. I actually really liked Ricky too. I actually like all of them. Yeah. Of the chowder. Yeah. We didn't get to meet Edward. We kind of did. I mean, we didn't a know okay. who he is because, like, during the party scene. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Like, a little him. bit. He's a little frantic. Yeah. He's like, where's my Aunt Veronica? <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked them all, but yeah, Don yeah, was great too. I was like, oh. But then I said, you know, in here, I was like, also, I like how they're like, Peter, you saved us all. And he really. <laughs> didn't do that much. He didn't do that much. <laughs> but he brought he kept him moving forward and yeah, that's yeah. an important role too. Yeah. Um I was wondering where Gregory and Fanny were going to come into the picture again because mm-hmm. that was a creepy story. That's super creepy. That was a creepy story. One of the characters tells a story about these about when he was teaching in this like small town involving these two people. Super creepy. Yeah, I got goosebumps imagining him looking out that window and oh, seeing him on the outer edge. Well, and like the part where he, they're like in the schoolhouse and he can see him like looking into the window. Oh, God. So my question is, yeah. do you think that they, what are they right? I said, do you think that they and you know who, oh, I was trying not to give away oh, the characters. Yeah. So do you, like, what do you think they were? Because they're like, they mentioned werewolves and vampires. But they don't seem like they're werewolves and vampires. Or are they like spirits? What kind well, of creatures I can't remember are they? which character explains it, but I think they just took on a form that humans would understand. Okay. And, and one of the characters, I think, yeah. says this. Yeah. So they maybe weren't either of those things, but that's how the human mind understood Still. it, or human history, I yeah. should say. So I think that's it. It was wasn't that, but it was sure. something. But it was something like, like they understand. Yeah. Because it was like. Gregory was described as, like, a werewolf-like creep person. Mm-hmm. And then Fenny, I don't know, zombie something. Yeah, and he, according to the storyteller, I can't remember who told it, Lewis maybe, maybe, was saying that he was a little slow, too. Yeah, he was. Simple-minded. My mom's calling me. Hold on one second. I'm just going to message her really quick. Um, okay, just send her a text message. Um, okay, and then I did write about how, you know, 
how you know, all like Ava's name changed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said I was thinking at one point that the sister of Gregory and Benny would turn out to be like. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but we didn't ever saw it. Yeah, right. It was like all because I'm trying to remember what her name was. Was it Constance? Yeah, that's Andre. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was like the sister. Yeah, I just saw Constance. In the story. So maybe she wasn't. But I was just kind of like, is she going to turn out to be like Alma or something? Where do you think they were going? They're like, we went to the other side. I I think it was probably like the other world. Okay. Or something like they kind of like die and go over or something. Or and they, they keep coming oh yeah, back. Constantly. Yeah, and she'd come. Yeah. Whatever happened to her? Oh, she got adopted. Yeah, she got adopted by somebody in the town. Yeah, that's right. So, um, very important question. Why did Flossie the dog have to die? Flossie the dog. Remember the scene where Lewis goes hunting with um, Otto? Oh, yeah. And they have Flossie the dog. Flossie. The beautiful dog. German German. something or something. Yeah, and then they're like, I love the German guy, first of all. I was like, I love you. Yes. He's, um, like, he's like, Flossie will take on Carl's job. <laughs> yeah. He's trash. You get it, Flossie. I paid $500, which would have been a lot back then. Yeah. For this dog, but she can a, do it all. That's even like a lot of money in like today's money. Yeah. I think I paid, how much did I pay for my cats at the adoption center? Two fifty maybe? That sounds right. Adoption fee and they have Yeah, their, and then like uh, this is the spaying and neutering and stuff. But so. Flossie was bred for her job. She was bred. She was amazing. Like, she was yeah, that's a really dog. good question, but I mean to the other things, whatever those mm-hmm. beings are. A life matter. is a life, and yeah. who cares? I mean, they killed all those other animals. Yeah, it's so true. She just happened to be with Lewis. Rude. For a creature that old, and I read this, Ava, Alma, and Veronica, <laughs> Amy, Anna, Angie, seems to have a big grudge against one town. <laughs> yeah, she really does. Or, And why did she zero in on this little pack of people? Well... There is that part in the book. Tell me again. Where they had accidentally killed oh, Eva. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm guessing there. But it's interesting. Like, she's that old. Like, at some point, she's probably had a bunch of people accidentally either kill her or, like, be mean to her. But all of a sudden, she's just like, these five guys gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> and anybody they live anybody by. Anybody that they live near. <laughs> the guy whose car they borrowed. Um, yeah. <laughs> his family's gotta go. Mm-hmm. Um, this girl who had a uh, affair with this guy. Out. Let's get rid of her. (laughs) The sisters. (laughs) The sisters. That farm. Who were the sisters of? Well, I do kind of understand because I think they at one point were like spreading rumors about her around the town. Not sure. She's a. What word did they use? Floozy. Floozy. Something like that. Maybe they killed Floozy. She killed (laughs) Floozy because her name's Flossie, (laughs) and it sounds like Floozy. (laughs) Maybe. Hey, that might be the connection. And I said, did she want to get back at everyone who was somehow involved in the death of Ava, or did she just want to get back at the whole town? I think I think she obviously wanted to get back at the five people, or whatever amount, and also to disrupt their lives. Yeah. And that they are so entrenched in Melbourne that yeah. it doing that to their neighbors and family yeah. and friends is just par for the course. Yeah. Causing disruption in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Another important question. Why did Clark Milburn have Mulligan have to die? 
Which who is he again? He was a theater owner. Oh yeah. He literally did nothing. Mm-hmm. But it was apparently like Greggy and Gregory. Greggy. <laughs> Gregory and Fenny were just like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Let's have a chomp chomp of this guy. Yeah. So probably. Okay. Um let's see here. I just want to do this. Oh, I have one last question. Okay. It's interesting how she killed Lewis in such a gruesome manner, but like everybody else had like kind of like a death that couldn't really be considered like murder. Yeah. Like she made one of the characters named John jump off a bridge, mm-hmm. and then she basically scared Edward to death. Yep. So it's and then um, what would happen to Sears? He cut into a car crash, and then Gregory and Fanny were in the back. Yeah. And they like beat the crap out of him or whatever they did, chewed him up. So, but it's just interesting that like that one character, she was like so brutally murdered. We could look, go back into the scene of where Eva thing happened and see mm-hmm. if he had any big role. Wasn't yeah. he, was it Lewis or who yeah, was it? Yeah, Lewis, yeah. He was young at that time. Yep. He was the youngest of the group. Yep. And she was trying to make out with him yeah. or whatever, right? And yep. he sort of pushed her away. Like, so I wonder if it's just the rejection. Maybe. I mean, rejection is hard and for a, a being like her. That's probably the big, a big yeah, error. big thing. Because think about it, like, um, Don... And Alma, at the time, she, they they were just in love. Yeah. Love, love. That, yeah. She's getting love from him. Yeah. So from, for Lewis, I bet it was a rejection. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, then the last comment that I had was just about how, like, for a book that big, easy to read. Easy to read. Very good. A-plus job. Yeah, job. I wish all books were this amazing. Yeah. Where you're just like, holy Anna. Yeah. Please let me read all night. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that is the ghost, that is ghost story by Peter Straub. Very good. I'm sure you guys are kind of just like, I wonder what's actually happening in this book. It tells me nothing. <laughs> That's good because we don't want to say it all. Yeah, because you should, guys should read it. It's a good book for spooky season. It really is. I got mine from my library. So um, they are out there. I was yeah. able, even able to check it out via. Uh, like an ebook. Ebook too. Oh, that would have been so hard to read by ebook. I only did it when I was too tired to hold my book. <laughs> Like, in bed, like, I didn't want to stop reading, so yeah. I'd go to bed and read a couple more pages, sure, and that sure. was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about our cases now? Okay. Okay. Are we going to rock, paper, scissors yeah. it? Oh. Mm. Ah, paper beats rock. You go first. Oh. <laughs> I have one source, and it's Murderpedia. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say the name until it comes up in the case. Okay. Because... Is that a great it, name? It's a it fairly AM? local story that was oh. massive. Because I, I, oh. even um, back then when it happened, I remember hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even people, I'm trying to say, people who weren't involved in this activity, which mm-hmm. would be obvious in a second, mm-hmm. um, I even heard about it. Oh. And I feel like I'm sort of oblivious to stuff sometimes. Okay. So <laughs> All right, here we go. I feel like it's a big one. Here we go. Okay. So I'm going to read directly from the filed motion, which is listed on Murderpedia, mm-hmm. for the case. And it should give you an idea of what, uh, I say allegedly happened, but it comes from both um, the victim's perspective, oh. the potential murderer, and then Ooh. sometimes uh, like an efficient official person. Okay. So I'm going to switch between those three as I read through this. Like I said, this is quite long, so, um... Here we go. Here we are. As Lady Gaga would say, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) 
Um, I'm gonna leave off last names because I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> so Terry stated that he and Robert were co-owners of the property and that the property was the location of a deer hunting shack cabin, which was being used by various family members and friends um, Sorry, for the rifle deer hunting season, which had begun the previous day. As Terry was returning to the cabin from hunting that morning, and while carrying his hunting rifle slung over his shoulder, mm -hmm. he observed an individual sitting in a tree mm -hmm. stand located on the property. Yep. You already know? I think I know what this is about. Yep. <sighs> I, yes. Terry used a walkie-talkie to communicate with other people in the cabin mm -hmm. and asked whether someone was supposed to be in that tree stand. Mm -hmm. After being informed that no one should be in that tree stand, Terry then approached the person, whom he described as an Asian male, yep. with a rifle and told him to leave the tree stand and the property. Terry then reported over the walkie-talkie that he had told the individual, later identified as the defendant, mm -hmm. to leave the property. Terry then followed the defendant as the defendant walked down a trail. Mm -hmm. The defendant... Advised Terry that he was in the military from 1989 to 1991 and had qualified as a marksman mm. and had hunted deer since 1992, including the vicinity where the events in 2004 occurred. Mm. The defendant also stated that on November 21st of 2004, he became lost while hunting and came upon a tree stand that he climbed into with his rifle. About 15 minutes later, a hunter approached him and told him he was on private property. The defendant then climbed down and began walking away. As he was walking away, he heard the hunter make a call on his walkie-talkie, but did not hear what was said. Yeah. He believes that this hunter was Terry. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after Terry uh, called back to the cabin... Five people from the cabin mm -hmm. drove two ATVs to where Terry and the defendant were located. Lauren and Terry, this is a new person entering the scene. So Lauren and Terry, yeah. There's two people named Terry or one person named One. Terry? Okay, thank you. And if I'm wrong, that's okay because there's a lot of characters in characters here. characters in here, okay. So Lauren's another person, Terry's already there. Lauren and Terry stated that none of the five who came from the cabin brought any firearms with them. Robert informed the defendant that he was trespassing, told the defendant to leave and use profanity. Robert also stated that he would report the defendant to the DNR and that maybe that would teach the defendant. Robert then yelled out for someone to get the defendant's hunting license number and the number was called out and Terry wrote it on the, a on the ATV in like the dust. The defendant did not reply to Terry, but continued walking. Terry and Lauren stated that at no time did anybody touch the defendant, make threatening gestures, or threaten to shoot the defendant. Okay. Comes up later. Yep. All right, so now we're in the defendant's perspective. Mm -hmm. the, the defendant stated that the hunters told them to leave the property and use profanity and racial slurs. Mm -hmm. The defendant admitted to admitted that he heard someone in the group say that the defendant's hunt, hunting license tag number should be written down, and then he also heard someone say they were going to turn in the defendant to a warden. 
The defendant stated that the hunters told him to follow the ATV trail and, excuse me, get the fuck out of here mm. and never come back. Mm. The defendant also stated that the only person he saw with a gun was the person who uh, first approached him in the tree stand. So that would have been Terry. Yep. All right, now we're back to Terry's perspective. Terry and Lauren stated that after the defendant walked away, no one followed the defendant and that Terry began walking towards the woods or through the woods toward the cabin while the other individuals turned the ATVs around to head back to the cabin. Mm -hmm. Lauren stated that he looked back and saw the defendant about 20 or 30 yards away with his back turned doing something with his firearm Mm -hmm. and then saw the scope of the defendant's gun drop off. Lauren then saw the defendant turn and point his rifle at Terry, who was about 25 yards away from Lauren. Lauren and Terry stated at that point, Terry unslung his rifle and held it in front of his body, but did not point it at the defendant and yelled for the defendant to put the gun down and get out of here. Mm. Lauren and Terry stated that the defendant then started shooting. Terry stated he dived to the ground and heard one round hit near him and a second struck him in the neck and exited his shoulder and that shot paralyzed him. Terry stated that he heard additional shots fired and saw Dennis, who was one of the five who came, um, on the ground. Lauren stated that he jumped off the ATV and heard multiple shots and to his right saw Dennis down on the ground, and behind him saw, I don't know the person's first name, Reut, Mm -hmm. another person, down. Mm -hmm. Now, the defendant side. Mm -hmm. The defendant initially told your complainant that he did not shoot any of the hunters. Mm -hmm. The defendant stated that the first hunter he saw who had a gun took the defendant's gun and shot the others, then forced the defendant to walk to each of the bodies. That's a little weird. The defendant later changed his story. Uh Uh-huh. In the defendant's second version, recounting the incident, he stated that he walked about 15 or 20 yards away from the other hunters, turned around, and saw the man who had a rifle walking toward the other hunters. He, that hunter, which would have probably been Terry, Mm -hmm. took the rifle off his shoulder and put it, like, in his hands, holding it. Mm -hmm. The defendant said he then heard someone yell, What'd you say? And the (laughs) defendant said, I didn't say anything. And the other person responded, I saw you give me the finger. <laughs> the defendant stated he replied again that he didn't say anything. The defendant stated he continued walking another 10 yards or so when he looked back again and saw the man with the rifle, Terry, mm-hmm. pointing the rifle at him. Mm-hmm. The defendant states that he den- then dropped into a crouch position and the person shot at the defendant but missed. Mm-hmm. The defendant then wrote, uh, removed the scope from his rifle and shot twice at the man with the rifle, uh, Terry, mm-hmm. and he fell to the ground. Mm-hmm. Terry did. The defendant then saw the other men run toward the ATVs, which had gun cases, and he thought they were going for guns. The defense defendant stated that he then started to shoot at the men near the ATVs and saw two or three more men fall. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Whoever was writing this filed motion personally examined the ATVs at the scene of the shooting and observed that none of them had any guns, gun cases, or gun racks. Mm, yikes. So. Ugly. 
hate this. So Lauren stated that after Terry, Drew, and Royt were shot, he attempted to hide behind an ATV. But the defendant appeared at the ATV and shot at him three times as he scrambled around the ATV mm-hmm. and that he heard um, that the third, not heard, the third shot hit him in the shoulder. And after being shot and collapsing, Lauren heard more shots. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I'm going to skip this part. It's basically the agent talking about what they observed, how far they were from each other. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. I'm going to skip that. So the defendant states that he saw a man running through the woods toward the cabin yelling for help and ran after him and shot at him two or three times. Jeez. This is the defendant saying this. Yeah. The defendant stated that the man was not armed and that he thought the man was going for help or a gun. Mm -hmm. The defendant stated that he was about uh, 15 to 20 feet away from the man when he shot him in the back. Lauren stated that after the defendant shot him, he began to provide, um, Lauren did, first aid to Terry and Drew and used a walkie-talkie to call back to the cabin, saying that he had been shot and needed help. Um, Carter, who's another person, said that in response to the call for help, he left the cabin unarmed and on an ATV. On the way, he picked up Brandon, who had been hunting and was armed. And with the assistance of Lauren, Brandon, and Carter removed Terry from the area. Mm. Now we're in the defendant's side. The defendant stated that he heard someone call on a walkie-talkie, we've been shot and need help. The defendant stated he observed three men approach on an ATV and stated they were all armed with rifles, so he did not shoot at at them. Mm. As the men approached, the defendant stated he turned his reversible coat from orange, which you need to have in hunting season, rifle season, to camouflage and reloaded his (gasps) firearm. Carter and Brandon, who came and got Terry, Mm -hmm. stated that on their way back to the cabin, they were passed by another ATB ridden by Alan and Jessica, who were heading toward the scene. Lauren advised officers that after Terry was removed from the scene, he heard another ATV approaching the area and then heard more gunshots and the ATV stopped. Oh, God. Defendant. The defendant stated that he observed another ATV approaching with two people and that the driver had a gun. The defendant then began to run and the ATV drove past where the defendant was and stopped about 10 or 15 feet away. The defendant stated that the people on the ATV saw him and one man removed his gun from his shoulder with one hand while keeping his hand on the ATV handlebars and stated that he then shot three or four times and both people fell off the ATV onto the ground. Okay, so um, I am going to read this part. It's the um, the, uh, sort of officer's perspective. Mm -hmm where it said they personally examined the scene and there were no firearms located near the bodies of the the Jessica and whoever the other mm-hmm. person was. Jessica and Alan. Mm-hmm. And there were no ATVs on that, I mean, no um, guns on that ATV. Okay. So now we're back to the main perspective. Lauren also stated that after hearing shots after the second ATV approach, mm-hmm. The defendant appeared near his location, and the, the defendant stated something to the effect of, I don't, I don't swear a lot, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 
You can just say the effers. Yep. Still alive. Which is wow. Yeah. Defendant saying that. Lauren stated that prior to that he had. Um. Lauren had taken Terry's rifle, and after the defendant's statement, he dived behind a dirt hill. Lauren also stated that after making that statement, the defendant fired once or twice at him, and Lauren shot at the defendant once, after which the defendant turned and ran away. Mm-hmm. Ran away. Okay, so now we're at the defendant's perspective. Mm-hmm. Stated that after shooting the two people on the ATV, he started running back to the area of the original shooting and saw one of the men still standing and that the defendant yelled, You're not dead yet? Oh my god. The defendant states that he then shot one more time in the direction of the man but did not know whether he hit him or not. The defendant stated he continued to run down the ATV trail. So the defendant said that to the guy? You're not dead yet? Wow, yeah. okay. The defendant stated that after the events described above, he ran away and did not return. He also stated that at one point he decided that he did not want to shoot anybody else, so he threw his remaining ammunition into a swamp. The defendant further stated that after about an hour, after an hour after, <laughs> stated that, about an hour after throwing the ammunition, he heard an airplane overhead and thought the plane was looking for him. So he decided to turn himself in. So fast forward. Um, the defendant has been uh, exiting where this has all happened. He yeah. threw away his ammo. And um, there's a, the warden that sort of referenced before, Jeremy Peary. He was searching for the defendant, so I think this is a little bit of time passed. There okay. must have been word that got to official people, sure. like police or whatever. Um, and he's searching for the defendant. And during um, this search, he was informed by a person named Daryl Gass that while hunting, he met an individual he described as Mung, wearing camouflage and carrying a black rifle, who stated he was lost and asked how to get to a road. Um... A deputy's report reflects that he advised, he was advised by Walter, whatever, whoever these people are, that he was hunting near Searley Camp Road when the defendant appeared wearing camouflage clothes and a rifle slung on his back. The defendant advised the second person that he had been hunting, was lost, and asked for a ride. This person offered to drive the defendant to his own personal truck. Um, and he also stated that w- when they arrived at his truck, they were met with the DNR warden who took the defendant into custody. Um, I'm going to quit. I'm sorry. I don't want to read all this. So much stuff. <laughs> so eventually the warden um, placed the defendant under arrest and seized his uh, semi-automatic rifle. And later it was determined it was empty. Um, the defendant complied with his commands but never made any statements and was extremely calm. So this is the the person is chiving. Yep, I remember this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just show you very, very fast, like all the, this is the scene of it. Up there. So I'm trying to, no, all of this. Oh, wow. It's big. Lot. So I'm trying to find the original one. Location. So you can see, like, here's the people he shot. Mm-hmm. There's cartridges all over. I 
Does it say original? Not up there. Staying excited. I don't know. But look at how big this yeah. area was. Yeah, that's like... So there's the scope. So that was where... I don't know. Yeah, all it's, over. It's massive. It's got to be like what? A good mile? Feels that way. Yeah. It's huge. I didn't end up looking at the specifics of um, the outcome of the case, but I do know Chai Vang was um, found guilty. Mm-hmm. And it was something that sparked a lot of, obviously, conversation. Yep. Debate. Yeah. Hunting yeah. stories and... Yeah. Bad things people did to people who were Hmong or yeah. appeared to be Hmong. Yeah. Things was, like that. There was a lot of uh, racial controversy yeah. that came about after it. Um, I, yeah, I do remember yeah. when that happened because it was like, I think it was, uh, people were like talking about like Hmong hunters. Yeah, probably. Was that part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was really hard because it's a lot of like he should, he said, she said. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the stories, that that's why I wanted to read both perspectives, because some of the times it matched up, Yeah. and then sometimes it was slightly different, but those slight differences sort of shifts the blame from one group to Mm -hmm. the other. Yeah. And that's, this was the story I had to put aside and wait to do, because it was just like, all these emotions when you go from one perspective, and then it shifts to one, the other person's, what you'd call their fault. Yeah. And, like, just bad actions on both sides. Yeah. Most likely, it might boil down to just um, bad communication. Yeah, for sure. Just... It might... It's not obviously not that simple, but, like... Yeah. If you had to boil it down, that's my first thought without going mm-hmm. too much into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Implicit biases. Yeah, implicit <laughs> bias. That's a lot going on. We're learning about that. That's great. <sighs> But, yeah, I remember that. I, I feel like I was really kind of confused about it, but it was also, like, I think it was in high school. 2004? Yeah. Yeah, that was probably when I was a sophomore. In high, in high school? school? When did you graduate? 2007. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were young. <laughs> I was post she's high school. She's <laughs> beautiful, but she's old. I was um, maybe a junior by then. Okay. Yeah. And I have, it was, it was a very interesting conversation or a mm-hmm. topic because we have hunters in my family. Like, mm-hmm. Minnesota hunting's huge. Oh, it's, I mean, it is a big part of Minnesota culture. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because when I have, like, friends who are like, I would never date a hunter. Ew. And I'm just kind of like, well, it's been a part of my family for years. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't really care if I were dating a hunter. But it is a lot of territorial stuff yeah. i mean yeah. like we have our our cabin up at north and we it's probably what is it it's like a mile wide and 40 acres long okay so we do have like trespassing you know like no Sorry. trespassing signs up there and people have come onto our property like we know because they'll like come and like chop down trees for like christmas time oh, and stuff like we've we've known um but there's never been a point where we're like you know if you get on our property we're gonna kill you yeah so it's kind of, but it, there's a lot of people out there where it's like you get on their property and it's mm-hmm. bad, bad news. Bears. I was just going to say that exact yep. phrase. So. Yeah, my um, grandparents own some land up north too. And mm-hmm. there's definitely been issues because we're um, butted up against public property. Oh, yeah. 
yep. public land. Yep. So like that's an easy switch over, and mm-hmm. that's where I imagine something like this could happen. Yep. Maybe where they were located, yeah. Chai was on yeah. public, and it's easy to you're you just walking in a field, line. and yep. you don't even know you're in it unless yep. you're very well labeled yeah if it's like really marked really well mm-hmm. you you have no idea i mean think about a forest like if you're walking in a forest and all of a sudden you step over a line this basically invisible line mm-hmm. where all of a sudden it's now somebody's land yeah you have no idea yeah so oh, that's a good case it's rough it's very hard very I'm sad i'm sick <laughs> well i've got it's a true crime and paranormal story. Ooh, a duo. It's a duo. Okay. Duo. A duo. Okay, so this is the murder of Mary Schlaes. How do you spell Schlaes? S C H L A I S. I probably pronounced it incorrectly, and I apologize. Works for me. But we're gonna go from there. All right. So Mary was an honors graduate student at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. She left her home on February 15th, 1974 in Minneapolis in like the uptown area Mm -hmm. uh, between about 10.30 and 10.45 a.m. to hitchhike her way to an art show in Chicago. She was an art student. Bad idea. Um, She wore a sign saying Madison on it to use while she hitchhiked. Okay. She was found dead about three hours after she was last seen. Dang. Her body was found in a snowy ditch near the shores of Elk Lake, also known as like Elk Creek Lake, which is about 90 miles from where she actually lived. It's in Wisconsin. Um, She'd been stabbed at least 15 times, and during her autopsy, the medical examiner found that she had defensive wounds, suggesting that she had tried to like fight her attacker. Good. Um, A witness had told police that they saw an orange or gold-colored compact car Although recent reports also state that it could have been like a light green car, okay. which is interesting, um, leaving the scene of the crime, uh, but investigators were unable to deduce what type of car it was. The witness, Dennis Anderson, said that he had been coming back from the grocery store with his dog when he decided to go down a dead end road to give his dog a longer, a longer car ride. That's um, so sweet. Yeah. He told authorities he thought he saw two men fighting on the road um, as he kept going down the dead-end road. Mm -hmm. Realizing something was wrong, he turned back around and saw that the car was gone and that there was a body in the ditch. Oh, dang. He went home, tied up his dog outside, told his wife what he saw, got his neighbor, Dan Murphy, and then both of them, Anderson and Murphy, went back to the scene of the crime. Okay. They saw the body left the area and went to a nearby home to call the sheriff's department. Um, with the two men, at least this is what I understand from like the notes mm-hmm. that I found, um, went back to the scene. They found a Culligan man standing near the body. Um, the three of them... What do you mean? Like, you know like the Culligan man? Like water? Yeah. Water body? He was just like his truck and... Oh, his truck. <laughs> He just like magically appeared. Just like I was like, like the character, the Culligan Man, just standing there. I'm like what? Culligan Man. Culligan. Okay. When you die, the Culligan Man comes to take your soul away. So weird. Like, why is he there? Well, he was delivering on a dead end drive. Well, there was like houses. Oh, along there, along so he's it. delivering stuff. Um, right. The right. three of them talked for a few minutes, and then the Culligan Man left to make his deliveries. 
Um, and the, there's like another story where another like a person was saying how the Colgate man came to her house to drop off stuff, and he had like this like horrified look on his face and told her what happened. Yeah. Um, investigator Craig Kozer, at least that's how it's going to be pronounced today. Mm-hmm. Um, who has often been who? Let me try that again. Who has often been working on the case since he started working in the department years back? Mm-hmm. Um, said he doesn't believe the police ever spoke to the Colgate man. What the heck? Yeah. Um, an orange and black stocking cap was found at the scene and was investigated. They took hair from it and studied it, but they were never able to, like, make a connection or get any, like, DNA from it. Yeah. Um, tire tracks were found at the scene, but because of the freshly fallen snow, no cats were able to be made of the tracks. Okay. Eight months after Mary's murder, an anonymous note was sent to the police saying, Did you ever think the man who murdered who, who found murdered girl at Elk Lake also put her there? Um, police had made over a hundred formal interviews during the investigation and several hundred informal contacts trying to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. They showed Anderson a photo lineup of potential suspects and put him under hypnosis twice Mm. to see if they could get any more information out of him, but all efforts were fruitless. As far as I know, that's super old school, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I don't think anybody uses (laughs) hypnosis anymore. (laughs) Cool. Um, no weapon was ever found, uh, neither were her purse or her coat. Okay. And the case grew cold. Um, the case has gotten new attention over recent years, and the case has been reopened. Those that live in the area suspect that the murderer actually lives in the area. Um, investigators have been able to use DNA testing to see if they can determine who her killer is as of 2009. Okay. They've det- narrowed to two different DNA profiles, but have not been able to rule out one of those profiles. Um, That person is Randall Woodfield, ex-Green Bay Packer player, and the I-5 killer. He's both? Yeah. Oh my god, can I do that story? Well, it it happened out west. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, we could. We could talk about it because he was a Play for the Green Bay Packers in Western yeah. Wisconsin. All right, we'll do it at some point. So, um, side note: the police sketch of the the suspect by Anderson looks a lot like Woodfield, so it's okay. kind of interesting. Um, as many as forty four murders have been connected to Woodfield from Oregon to California. Okay. Um, Woodfield fits the description of the man the witness said they saw throw Mary's body from the car, and Mary fits the description of Woodfield's victims. Okay. Which are often like petite women with like things like darker hair or something like that. Okay. Um, unfortunately, there is not enough evidence besides the DNA to link him to her murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's currently serving a nine-year sentence for the murders he was convicted of. Okay. So, and if he did it, he's at least in jail. Yeah. Um, I was gonna give a little description of like the actual town, but we don't have enough time, so I'm just gonna go into the spooky stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, reports of Mary's screams are said to be heard at the Elk Lake Dam at night. Others have reported seeing the ghostly figure of a young woman around the bridge over the lake and near the dam. Two men reported seeing her one day while they were sitting near the dam. Excuse me, I had a burp. I haven't burped in a podcast in a while. (laughs) You're welcome, guys. Um, One man turned to his friend and said that there was a glowing white woman behind us. He said, his friend said, I know, but I'm not turning around. <laughs> I know. I that, know. that would be me. <laughs> I ain't looking. I know, she's there, but I'm too creeped out. I'm not going to look at her. <laughs> that would be 
us if we ever saw a ghost. We'd just be like, that's fine. Just type away. Don't worry about it. We're not going to look at them in the eye. <laughs> um, people have reported a vanishing lady being spotted along the road near the bridge. A shadow person has been seen running along the banks under the bridge, which is the creepiest of them all. Give me goosebumps. Yeah. Um, a woman told Chad Lewis and Terry Fisk, who are like paranormal investigators, writers, about her mother's encounters with Mary while at a paranormal conference. The woman said her elderly mother told her that a young woman would come out of the river every day and appear in her garden and have tea and cookies with her. She, I think she said that she had like white capris and like a pink shirt on, which is interesting because it's, she was killed in February, so she didn't have that outfit on. Yeah. Um, her mother told her the woman's name was Mary. Okay. She assumed her mother was seeing things or was experiencing dementia, but when she heard Lewis and Fisk talk about Mary at the conference, she began to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. And Come so, on, maybe not crazy. Mayhaps not. <laughs> maybe she saw a ghost. So, in conclusion, if you have any information about Mary Schleiss's murder, you can call the Dunn County Crime Stoppers or the Dunn County's Sheriff's Office at 715 231 2917. Excellent. And so, I, it's a current or an yeah, active. It's an active investigation. Um, I got the information about this case from DeWitt's Photography, uh, Chippewa.com, MinnesotaCBSLocal.com, Unexplained ReachUnexplainedResearch.com, <laughs> and then, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's like Animalian, it's A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-N.com. All right. So, that is the story That's of Rachel's. That's good. Yeah. Culligan Man. Culligan Man. I, I agree sort of with man. that first person, the guy who found him, got found her, I mean, with his mean? dog. Wait, you agree with Someone him? had said in the, later in the story, so the guy who's on the drive down dead end road with his puppy dog, Yeah. they said, what a, the anonymous oh, note. Oh, the anonymous note that was so like, what about that guy? guy? Yeah, you never know. I mean, they said that he was at the grocery store, yeah. so he probably has an alibi. That's so weird. He said he says that he saw two men fighting. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like they had a park on. Probably. Oh, yeah. So you pre-burger. Yeah, probably like a park and a hat. So you probably wouldn't really understand or not understand, but figure out if it's yeah. a man or a woman. That's true. And probably the default was man. Man. Yeah. Back in nineteen. Back in nineteen seventy four, women didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore. Women don't fight. Women don't fight. They don't walk along roads in the winter. <laughs> Gotta be a man. Gotta be a man. No. That's it. All right. Do we? Or I mean, it's one oh six here, you guys. It's. Do you want to do one of your spookies? And sure. Bring the other one. Bring the other next one time? next time. Okay. So this is from a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, I was at a birthday party. My cousin had a birthday party for her oldest son. Okay. And we were all just like chatting and stuff, and she was saying how her oldest son's school is across from a cornfield. And so when she drops him off, she still has, like, her youngest in the car with her. And she says that when they go by the cornfield, her youngest will point out the cornfield and say, there's ghosts in that field. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see, pumpkin? <laughs> so she's, which her youngest then confirmed by looking me dead in the eye as well. We're at this birthday party and going, there's ghosts in the field. Like, with her, like, finger up to her lips, just, like... And then I was just like, oh, I'm like, oh, really? And she's just like, there's a baby ghost. 
and a mama ghost. And like everybody's just kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> One of my other cousins like looks at me and she's like, children of the corn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, cool, great, good, great, good. Well, we do or have heard that children mm-hmm. pick up those essence yeah. being yeah. better than adults. Ooh, people, if you have stories about your kids yeah. who've seen stuff, yeah. please send them to us and we will read them on the podcast. That's a great idea. You can email northernfrights19 at gmail.com mm-hmm. with your personal kid ghost stories yes, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, case suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool advice or hey, what's up? I'm from X place. Yeah, We'd love to hear from, from you. And additionally, make sure you rate us on iTunes. Yeah. And uh, give us a 5-5 five, five rating. And if you don't want to give us a 5-5 five, five rating because you think we're doing a terrible job, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Remember, we're very sensitive people. <laughs> it's true. You don't have to listen to us if you don't want to. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's the Culligan Man. Culligan just arrived. Oh, he knew talking about him. You did it, didn't you? It's probably like 20 years old. <laughs> like, what are they yelling at me for? <laughs> All right, gang. That's right. it for this week. Have so. a great week. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.